Hi everyone, I'm your host, Lisa Fazio, and this is Wild Under Root, a podcast about plants, place, and magic. Even if lightning strikes, or if thunder splits the sky, if the mountains fall and rivers overflow. Welcome everybody to the Wild Under Root podcast. And today my guests are um, two of my favorite people, friends and colleagues, um, Mary Beth Bonfilio and Cara Wood. And I'm going to let you guys just like say a little bit. I'll just share that um, our, we're, we're in community with each other. Um, all three of us have a shared heritage as Italian-American and um, Mary Beth is also Sicilian and Sicilian-American and Car and I are um, both Calabrian, Calabrese, um, in descent, of descent. So um, welcome both of you. So I'll, I'm just going to let you guys sort of like share a little bit about yourselves. Mary Beth, you want to? Hi. Um, so yeah, I'm friends. I'm into these two ladies uh, a lot. <laughs> and I'm just really grateful for both of their teachings and presence in my life. So I just want to say that I'm just super happy to be in conversation here. Um, I am a mother and a writer and sort of like a, a container holder for change, I think is the best way to put it, whatever that means. It kind of is in flexibility and flux all the time. Um, I live, uh, I'm, nav I'm navigating from uh, Yamel land, unceded Yamel and Multnomah territory, which is um, the Red Hills of uh, Oregon, which is just south of Portland, Oregon. And I'm originally from the area where your, where Lisa's from. So there's this upstate New York Paisan connection that I love. I can still hear it a little bit in your accent. I'm trying to get it back. <laughs> when I'm there, it's bad. <laughs> it comes like that. Yeah, I'm sure if you moved back, you'd have it back quick. Yeah, a twang. <laughs> and I liked what what um i recently read in your bio i liked the word that you used uh, just identifying yourself as an ancestralist which... oh yeah yeah that's best yeah i think that that's where a lot of all of my it is my spiritual practice really and and it's so such a huge umbrella it's just like because it's like what really is it like what am i doing what am i practicing what am i being with what am i in relationship with and repair with and in community with and yeah so I don't know if that means I'm a practitioner of something in particular but it was a, yeah it was just like a made-up word that felt right it's good though because I feel like I don't like ancestral healing and I don't like and there's so many words around ancestral work that I feel like are need to be worked through some of the, some of the ideas around it. So ancestralist, I feel like sort of bypasses some of the problematic aspects of those words. Yeah. All right. And Cara, do you want to just Hi. introduce yourself a little? Hi. Hi. So happy to be here with you too. Um, I am um, 
on Ohlone territory in California, better known as Oakland. Um, and I am a folk herbalist. I also do ancestral connection. Um, I love that word, Mary Beth, because I feel like it also embodies who I am. I walk constantly in the ancestral realm. We are the ancestral realm. So that's a lot of what I do and talk about and specifically with plants as our ancestors and the elements as our ancestors and just really um, tapping into that place that all of us hold um, that maybe we don't know or aware of that we just kind of go through the day not connecting with. So that's a lot of what I think about all the time is how we can return to that and just deepen into it in a way that isn't commodified and is just being like the way that we are being not selling it not um yeah just just being with it so i'm so happy to be here with you and talk about all of this always so the the thing that i invited you both to talk about which i know is probably just going to be a starting point um is protection and protection magic which is a big part of uh, Italian folk medicine or Italian American folk medicine, um, whatever we want to call it, Benedicaria, which is really a form of Italian American. It's really Italian American. Um, and it's become very popular in terms of like um, what we might call like neo Wiccan um, contemporary pagan witchcraft kind of. Um, culture, I guess you could call it. And also something that seems to be becoming commodified because that's just the way our culture works. So anything that comes into the dominant narrative ends up being exploited in some way, shape or form by something or somebody. Um, so, and, you know, I don't know what the definition of protection magic is. And I don't really want to make one up for everybody because I don't think that there's necessarily a standardized way of doing protection. I only know what my experience of it is. And in, including my experience of it um, as in terms of ancestral trauma, and in terms of being Italian American and um, and the way that that came through to me in my family lineage, um, as well as the work that I've done on um, my ancestral inherited traumas. So um, for me, what I get a lot of times when I see and hear stuff about protection magic is that it's really very defensive and activating to the sympathetic nervous system. So like if you're scrolling through Instagram or whatever, the, the internets, and you see a lot of the popular ideas around protection, it's kind of like, you know, constantly like in this war, right? With evil forces or psychic forces or other people trying to take things from us or impose upon us. And I think that that's like maybe a part of protection magic, but um, my experience of it is a little bit different in terms of it 
being the opposite almost of activating to my central nervous, to my sympathetic nervous system, to my autonomic nervous mm. system as being really centering. So do you, either of you have like, like thoughts on, you know, what you're seeing in pop, the popular culture, and then what your, your experience of protection magic is from your own heritage? Do you want to go car? You want me to uh, <laughs> jump in? Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, one of the things that I feel like I work through with protection magic is the ancestral trauma that is in my lineage, which I think became in a lot of ways, a defense mechanism in my ancestors were from the last couple generations, right? Um, reasonings of needing to immigrate and the um, environment and situations that they were in in southern Italy I think I don't know this but I speculate and intuit that like their protection magic in some ways at that point became very defensive and so I think that and I'm not saying that it's all of that but I think that there was this this things are being taken from me so deeply that I have to fight back from the forces that are being taken from me. Um, and I think that that is not necessarily the natural state of being, which what you're talking about there, it's very center. And it's me working myself back into that kind of place. But I still am even in defense only because of those traumas, not because that I think it is the accurate way to practice it, but because that's like my first reaction when I feel um, invaded or, or there, or there's something being taken from me or there's, you know, a danger, present danger around me. And in some ways, like I felt like it really was happening during the beginning of COVID a bit. But really recognizing that was huge because then I was able to kind of shift it a bit and go back into like maybe a little bit more um, land and ancient ways of like, what is protection? So kind of healing a little bit or shifting a little bit of what I think that maybe like, you know, my grandparents were doing it for. So I'm not quite sure they had that. I think that they had the, uh, the sympathetic reaction that you're talking about a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I, and I think also it's important to just note that danger is real, right? There is real danger. Like COVID is a real danger. And like, I mean, so it's like there are times when we need to be in our sympathetic nervous system. That's why we have one. And that protection is a, is a part of that. I think also maybe why for, for me as well, like the beginning of COVID kind of activated a lot of this for me as well. And I think that it is ancestral for many of us all over the world. This is not just Italian Americans or people on the peninsula of Italy or in the Mediterranean or Sicily, but I think that it is fair to look at our ancestors and their reality. And for like an example of like the peninsula of Italy and Sicily, this is like an area that's surrounded by water and for so long, for thousands of years, they dealt with occupation and, um, and people coming at them from different angles. And there's a reason why all the villages with a few exceptions are not on the 
coast, like ready and open for anybody to just arrive. Like there's a reason why all of these villages are built up at the top of a mountain and why they're fortified in the way that they are. And so I think that, that we're, we're tapping into that and this is part of it. And this isn't the only part of it, but like there's, you know, the geography, we hold that geography in our body and our ancestors left that and continue to know that. And also COVID activated our, what I've talked about with you both, like our plague trauma. Um, and that's real for many of us, um, specifically European descendants, but people from everywhere, we've all had to deal with plagues. And so I think that those two things at once definitely become loud as far as like understanding the, the ancestral layer mm -hmm. of that that we're, that we're remembering. Mm -hmm. And then it, even, even coming in, even Italian immigrants and other immigrants as well, anybody coming into um, America or immigrating anywhere. Yes. You know, but coming in to a country where at the time when the Italians first came, you know, they were marginalized. They were part of a minority and marginalized group of people. And so I know like I, a lot of my grandparents who are both immigrants that a lot of what they did was survival. You know, my grandfather said, you know, he learned, right. he, he learned he, when he came here, he learned how to fight when he was 14 or whatever. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's the difference. I think you're talking about is like protection and survival. And then there's protection in like thriving like what you were saying Cara before I think we recorded where it's like this energetic state of mind in which we're just holding this the subtle and grand energies of what protection is and it's not about like surviving and having to like you know constantly like <laughs> and you know and and be like in like this kind of like what is that what is that um word oh my god i'm gonna blank on it but being in that state that nervous system state where you're fight in a fight. fight yeah fight or flight yeah exactly exactly and and, and so the other sorry no i was just gonna say the other part of that is actually we can be in in a place where we need to be on survival mode and be relaxed in that and right right like we don't have to be um, you know, and that's martial art, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think that that's why the making of the amulets or making of the protection, like for me, the making is in that relaxed state. So if I'm like, okay, I know that there's some danger. I'm going to go to craft. Yeah. I'm going to go to ancestral art. I'm going to start using my hands and, and, and making and being with, and all of a sudden now, that's probably more was like the protection of like versus like wearing. I'm sure the wearing is amazing too, but like the act of, 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 of making together to me feels like that's like all of a sudden I go, you know, like I go into my gut, I go into like, I, and I can breathe again. And I, I don't feel that pending danger. Instead, I feel like there's a, like a weaving of like that protection through my body. It's like action of some kind. I think that's where it protection is a state of mind where, yeah. and, and like that, that it can hold those complexities. Like you're talking about Lisa at once, like 
that we can be at, relaxed in our bodies and also be aware and 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 protected like like a blanket you know a blanket protects us but it's unless it has thorns on it you know it's something that is um also um it's it's a defense but it's not a defense that is gonna be um shooting out to someone else where protection work can also be like that too but i think that that's that's part mm. of that like the the act of making something is it joins that those two spaces i don't know if that makes any sense yeah no it makes so much sense so you're saying it's like a martial art like i don't know about many martial arts but i know a little bit about aikido and that like energetic force is it's not it's not attacking i'm sure there's a lot of martial arts that you don't attack right you use the energy coming forward to sort of become the shield of protection for you right so the energy of what is coming of the of the attacker of the force is then just turned around and you have the ability to like just put it back mm -hmm. and in that putting back it can throw down your attacker like without you cannot even touch them you don't even have right, to you touch just, them you're just, see, it's almost like to me i think of it as like being in the zone yeah right yeah, it's like be, you're you're in the zone and you're relaxed and it's just like there's maybe chaos all around you mm -hmm. right it's like but you know right where you're going yeah mm -hmm. And you don't have to, nobody, there's no, it's, 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 there's no harm. There's no harm. Right. So it's like, so it's like, um, I, I tend to think of it as being, so one of the places I guess I, I first learned about that, I feel like, and I didn't know I was learning about it because I had no idea what I was doing. It was not really conscious, but when I look back on it is in my childhood, in my neighborhood. And, um, it was a, you know, wor working poor immigrant neighborhood and it was in the seventies. And so nobody's parents were home and, you know, me and my little brother walked to school and there was all kinds of kids that were going to beat you up on the way to school or jump you or whatever, <laughs> you know? And, and the thing was, and there was nobody, you, so you, you, you know, and I learned to fight. I beat some people up, but I beat up a few boys <laughs> to protect my brother. I did. And, uh, you know, but then I, you know, then I figured it out that I just, I'm just going to school and I, I, I'm not, I'm just going to school and that's what I'm doing. And there's nothing, I'm not interested in anything else between here and there. Mm. So focus, right. Is I'm, I'm, I, I'm, and I'm also like, and if you try it, I will not you're going to have a fight, right? Like, right. Mm -hmm. Like there's going to be, you're not, this is not going to be. And I think also as a woman in the world, I kind of always had that attitude as well. I think, you, I think you get this, right? Where it's just like, or I, I, you know, because I walk in the woods by myself all the time. And, and, you know, my mother was always like, yeah, you shouldn't go in the woods by yourself. And it's like, look at, I'm the craziest fucking thing in the woods. Like anybody... <laughs> Like I can tell you right now that I would not be an easy target. That doesn't mean I'm stupid about it. Right. 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 But like, I will go bat shit. Right. <laughs> like I will, like you will have, they will, anybody trying to, you know, hurt me, bear, coyote, human, um, will have to, they're going to, you know, they're going to have a fight on their hands. 
They're gonna so, have a big fight. <laughs> You're gonna have the firecrackers in your pocket. You're gonna throw them. I do. I do. I have. <laughs> you know, but then I'm fine. And then I'm not, a, but, but then, so then, but when I'm going into the woods or, you know, when I was walking in my neighborhood as a kid, I was, I was no longer afraid and I wasn't in sympathetic. I had the same thing happen growing up and my dad gave me a roll of coins and told me to keep them in my, keep them in my fist while I was walking. <laughs> I never had to use them though. It, that, that actually gave me too that confidence. Like I carried myself different. I was like, I have a fucking roll of coins in my hand. And if somebody even tried that punch is going to really, really, you know, like that, my punch is going to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's right. horrible. It's violent. It's whatever. It's not nice. Yeah, but also but like, I mean, this, is, this is the other thing. Like protection magic isn't all like new age. Yeah, or, exactly. You know, like, exactly. We're non-violent, you know, I mean, I'm all for non-violence, right? Of course, right? But like- For the most part. Right, but what's protection? No. We have to, you have to defend also. Yeah. Right? And well, what are we defending against? And that's the other thing. There's just like a lot of layers there. And we want to talk like on like the big macro level, Lisa and I were talking the other day about- we were on this conversation about something else about the, that quote in that book where I was like, you know, thinking about, and I think I was talking to you about it, Cara, as well. We were talking about it where I was like, what does all this come from? What is, is what is the root of what we are protecting ourselves from? Yeah. What are these, what are these memes, these, these egregores, where do they fucking come from? How old are they? How are they trans, you know, how are they entering bodies in which the bodies become harm to us or entering cultures and entering systems so that it's just like, we're in like all these different layers of protection. I don't have have an answer for it, but it's just like, and is protection magic is not about ridding it because if it's an energy, it never goes away. So how does protection magic or protection like energy, which becomes a state of your mind, not only keep you intact and centered but also somehow transmutates how can protection magic become a transmutation practice for whatever this energy is how can it feed it in such a way so that it not becomes this i hate i don't want to use the word evil but like this evil that permeates through all these different layers our culture has a beautiful symbol for this Right. And we put it down into the earth and we move yeah. that shit into the earth and we compost it. Cause you're right, Mary Beth, that energy is there. It's we're we've been dealing with this forever for generations. It's the right? beginning of time. This, these move, these movements of transfer, transmutating, tra- transferring that energy that someone shoots at you or that we shoot out without being into, you know, and realizing that we're in it unintentionally shooting that out and then composting down into the ground. I think it's so beautiful that we have been able to retain this in our culture and know this in some way, shape or form that this is what our ancestors did in the mm-hmm. shape of the mm-hmm. moon. You know, this is like also mm-hmm. the mother, you know, this is Hathor, mm-hmm. this is her, her, her discs, the horns, you know, like I love that Anyway, that's, I think that's what it is. It's like moving that. And, and once we really understand that we're all carrying these energies and that we can, that we have that ability to move it and harness it and transfer it, 
and not walk around in denial about it or, or pushing it onto somebody else without mm-hmm. taking responsibility to be the one to move it. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause it's not really external. It's got to be internal. It has to be part of all of us. Well, that's what I was saying. You know, that's part of what I think of it as well is a way of differentiating mm-hmm. between self and other. Mm-hmm. And so when we differentiate between what belongs to us and what doesn't belong to us, mm-hmm. then we know what is coming in and what isn't coming in. Mm-hmm. So things become more conscious and we become more conscious of what we're, where we're putting our energy and where, what energies we're allowing into our field of experience. And so that in of itself is protection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think differentiating the different levels and layers for me, like my, I'll just share like in my own like work around it. And when I say, I feel like everything I do is protection work. Cause I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm defining it just very loosely, but, um, and I would get like kind of personal, but I, th- I think I've shared a little bit of my experience um, <clears throat> working with somebody, uh, Dare, at least I may have told you this. And we were talking about the, uh, you know, spirit or energy that has been moving through my family and harming my family for many multiple generations. And um, seeing as it always is something that I'm trying to protect me and my children of, right? So being able to like name it and like give it a name and give it a, and give it a, a way, give it a shape, give it a form, give it a figure and be able to see it. And then creating like a space for it outside our body lines. Like, even though they're like, it comes through our bodies, but being able to like give it its own home mm-hmm. that is not coming near my body mm-hmm. anymore. Or my children's body anymore and asking what it needs to just, stay away from the body, but still be take care of it because it's in my family. It's like, I can't, we're, I can't really rid it. Like, what does it need? What kind of water does it need? What kind of soil does it need? What kind of songs does it need to be able to take a different form so that it is not traumatizing my family line anymore? So it's like, it's like differentiating what's yours and what's not yours and what's you and what's not you, but also being like in full engagement and participation. In relationship and participation. Yeah. And that's been really a pretty powerful one. Because before it would just be this like, I'm, prote- you know, like being able to get so nuanced and so detailed and so like microscopic almost about what this is, you know, like, and, and then recognizing it just wants to be seen. Right. Oh, oh, fuck. This just wants to be seen. It wants to be given. A, it doesn't maybe want to live inside us <laughs> like it is. Maybe it really needs another space, another home and where it can find its new purpose. Yes. I think that's so beautiful and so powerful and scary. It's very scary because oh, I was like, this people. fucking thing is in my little attic door. Like I put it inside my little attic door. I'm like, every time I walk by, I'm like, shit, you're in there. Yeah. <laughs> But, but they're seen and they're, and they have their own space. Mm-hmm. And in ways I'm still for it. And I'm fortifying our bodies as we go through this using protection fortification so that our bodies are staying like, you know, aligned and subtle and healthy and all the things. So like, there's that aspect of it. That's really important, but there's also this like aspect where it's like, who are, what are you? Who are you? Where did you come from? What do you want? Let's give you a new job in the world. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's some milk <laughs> and some flowers. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's one of the things we're, we're lacking in our culture <clears throat> is proper communication, uh, worship, whatever you want to call it, with the dead and the ancestors, which it was part of every indigenous culture on earth at one time. <clears throat> and so that we've been kind of cut off from, not kind of, we have been cut off from that. And so it's like, so that's protection, right? Like that, that's protection is that you start having a, actually having a dialogue with things that have been repressed or made, are made unconscious. Mm -hmm. And so it's like all the things that you're, that are in the shit, what in like a psychology we might call the shadow that you're saying, oh no, like this in the shadow, these things become monsters, mm -hmm. demons and, and evil. And then they start like Carl Jung would say, what you don't make conscious, you meet in your fate. So you're going to, it's going to come up. You can't actually make them go away. Like you said, you can't make them go away. I mean, exactly. and, and ultimately it, 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 we don't even have anything to, I mean, this is the, this is the other thing of it. What are we protecting? Good question. Like, what do we, we like, what, we, there's no such thing as like safety. Safety is having, being, having a flexible and adaptive and innovative autonomic nervous system, being able to go from being able to manage situations when it's called for in terms of being able to fight or flight or whatever we need to do. And then being able to switch back into our being able to be relaxed and in the moment. Yeah. Mm. I mean, there's so many layers as we know to all of this. I mean, we're talking about energetic <laughs> protection. There's also like internal protection. This is where plants are so magical and multi, you know, dim, uh, dimensional because um, plant medicine is also protection, you know, like gut health. This is like protection magic. Um, yeah, for sure. Having honey, like during smoke fire season, having a spoonful of honey is protection magic. We're protecting our inside from that external smoke. Mm -hmm. And so like, there's like internal protection, there's um, our skin, you know, just like treating our skin to olive oil is protection magic because our skin is our protective barrier in our, of our, you know. And that's all, that's all nourishment. Right. Such nourishment. Right. It's nourishment. Yeah. Fortification and nourishment for sure. Which and is it helps take you out of your head too, from thinking about what everything is and like for those practices that you just even said like just thinking about oh what's gonna help my gut or what's gonna help my throat right now breathing in this smoke or you know what's gonna make me feel like good about viruses i'm gonna i'm gonna swallow that garlic or these things and then it's like taking you into your body and you're feeling how they're moving and being in relationship with your body which takes you out of the neurological or the headspace which for me tends to then trip out my body 
-hmm. like bringing us all back inside ourselves, which I think is like probably the most crucial piece of whatever it is we're talking about. Well, I think protection comes from the gut, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's why we've got that nice little layer of fat and people always want to get rid of that layer of fat. That layer Mm -hmm. of fat is literally a shield and protection and and it's a beautiful thing. It's also where like all of our intuitive receptors are kind of coming from. Yes. Keep your gut fat, people. (laughs) I like my work right now. I love that. that They're protecting my my Mm -hmm. gut realm. Mm-hmm. Our brain, that's our brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> goal. Yeah. Isn't it interesting in our culture that having no gut fat is like the sought after thing, having having a flat having no nothing there. Having a flat tight like no, <laughs> this is what it is. It's like we're we've so long been try- eliminating that magic or not connecting with that magic or not yeah. walking with it. Yeah. That, so then that, it's like everything's like oh like like tight like everything you know it's like forget it's like and then then you're right you're up here and then you're like yeah. this is the only thing that that's moving you know because everything else is like so rigid yeah. and and I love that I never really put that together in that way that the correlation between not being connected in that way and not having belly. Absolutely. I have a friend who's, yeah, I have a friend who actually taught, we did a workshop together once and it was, I was doing tarot and writing and she's a, just like a somatic experiencing body. I mean, she's, I don't even know. She does everything with the body. She's constantly going and learning more about the body. And um, I remember it was just years ago. I remember that moment she said that she's like, you know, this fat is everything. Like, don't, we don't want to work this fat off as this fat is literally protecting like our, our vagus nerve that goes up like this fat is protecting our guts, protecting our entire body. And also at the same time, because when it's protected and when it's there, it's also, it's little, it's got like the little fascia receptors that are like able to take in information, filter the information. You don't need to take all of it in and help you listen to your gut and make decisions so that you're able to make choices that are navigating you in a way that is of safety protection. But I think there's a lot of steps to get to that because I know (laughs) lifelong anxiety that like, if you've had, if you've been in that, like that panic anxiety state for a long time, your gut is not, your gut is not accurately receiving information because everything, everything feel like a threat. Right. I've been there. <laughs> Same. <clears throat> been there. So Possibly like, there right now. <laughs> right. So it's it's like it's like so we can't. So I I guess I'm put. I'm I'm just. I've heard a lot of like trust your gut, and it's like, well, I can't really yeah. trust my gut right now. You know, like <laughs> no. I mean, I think most of us can't because of that disconnect of, of that wisdom of what my friend was saying, right? Like it's a piece of wisdom that we've sort of lost. And so how can we trust it? It's a, it's my gut is a tangled mess and needs a lot of work, but the possibility I think is there until I just even like have the, like knowing that like, well, that's what it's kind of supposed to be there for. And even maybe that's all you sit with is that. And I feel like, especially with, and I feel like this is where plants have been so um, supportive and nourishing. And um, I feel like almost like rewiring 
for me is that I've, I've been in that place where I could feel my gut online, right? Like I could feel, and it was a felt. It's a, it's a, it's like, it's a felt sense that is so, it's very temporal and dense and it has gravity in a way that made me feel extremely safe, regardless of, you know, where I was in the middle of the woods or in whatever, you know, for me, that's usually where it happens in some place where I'm, there's not a lot of um, man-made input. Um, And so I feel like once you can get that, once you have that hit, I feel like it's almost like, oh, there, there it is. Mm -hmm. Once you know, I feel like that's a big, that was a big change for me so that I could tell the difference between, oh, this isn't, and I can honestly say, like, I feel like a lot of my angst is up here. It's like the gut completely shut down. And then the angst is like up here. And then like when, when I am able to like soften and drop in, it's like everything just kind of softens all the way around. And then, and then in a way it's almost like I'm more, I guess you could say I'm more vulnerable because I'm just like, oh yeah. Okay. Like, like, you know, I was just going to say letting go also is protection. Right. (laughs) Like, I'm just trying to imagine just like when I just allow myself to lie on the earth and just fucking let go and and really absorb and also just, yeah, I don't know. Sorry if I just interrupted you, but just that just came to me, like what you're saying exactly, like letting go allows. Laying down. Yeah. Softening. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's not about really about creating safety, right? Because we can't even really Mm -hmm. do that. Like. So in my experience of it, it isn't like, oh, I've got, you know, all the windows locks. Not that I haven't done that, you know, go and lock all the windows and all the doors. And I mean, right, I want to preserve my life and my family's life, whatever, you know, it's like if there's a fire, I'm going to get out of the way. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying that like sometimes for me, it has been when, you know, really it's just like this, this, this immense like trust and complete vulnerability. And that's what I feel like in going back to even, I don't know, maybe it's just my familial experience in the last couple generations that was lost. The symbols, the amulets, the practices were all in place to help me come back to it. Like I really appreciate them. And I think that they're worthy. I think that they're, they're of their own energy. Everything has its own energy. Everything has its own like power and presence and um, scent, you know, like there's the salt is sentient, the, the garlic is, all of that is matters. But I have felt personally that though my family, you know, my, my, my dad grew up with charms around his neck. You know what I mean? Like that's what grandma was wrapping around, but I don't think she had let, had, I don't think she, I think she lost the remembrance of what you're talking about, of being able to, to let go. That piece wasn't there anymore. And that, I mean, it wasn't there in my parents. Something had stopped it. And at the same time, the, that memory or that knowing of, what protection was for them of these, of these pieces of the, the coral and the dirt and the, and the plants and all those things stayed with them. 
which I'm so grateful for, right? Because it's like brought us to even having this conversation now together because we all sort of came came with that. But that one piece is the piece that I have the just most like hard time with is that I don't have really a close lineage-based practice of that letting go. Like I can do it, but it's not quite embodied in me fully because of whatever, whatever the experiences of the, of the people before me. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea how many generations back. Cause as far as I know, yeah. my people, at least on my Italian side, absolutely didn't have that. You know, they wore the garlic. Um, you know, my bisnona had her children do that. And, and I know that she was protective in her, they, you know, they did the malocchio, mm-hmm. but I wasn't raised with that because they were dead by the time I came along. Well, I saw it, but I don't think that they had the, the piece that we're talking about, which yeah, is like, yeah. you know, we're like, I think they were, I think they were up here. I don't think that they were down here. Yeah. But the one place where you're saying, Lisa, where you felt it, like when you're in the woods, like I did feel it. I did feel it on ancestral land. I felt it real, like for the first time, probably in my life, the first time I was on that soil and that microbiome just went right in my gut, in my mouth and in my, you know, and it was like, oh. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I definitely did also, I feel like received that in a lineage way through my, from my Irish side, believe it or not, which um, somewhat on the Italian side. I think my grandparents had that a little bit, um, especially my grandfather. Um, which is interesting because this is sort of, I always felt like, and then the older I got, the more I felt like this. I felt like some of it where it came from my, my no-no was that he had, he knew who he was. Because he had been, he, you know, he knew, he knew who he was so well because he had been raised in his village in Italy that he had formed some secure attachment from that, even though it was in, you know, a very difficult time in Southern Italy and very economically, they were very poor and in his, his father disappeared and his mother, you know, I mean, it wasn't like everything was perfect for him, but I always felt like there was always a part of him that seemed so solid. Mm. That didn't, and it, con- and it continued on here. Like you felt that like I've, even throughout I've, his life here. Yeah. It was just this, you know, it was like this, this, it was just something about him that was very magical and, and bright and that would just, just had this faith that he could accomplish something or that he could do something. And maybe some of that was like this, you know, work ethic or whatever, but no, there was something else about it that just seemed um, there was a joy in all of it or a, or a humor in all of it and um, real pleasure in, in everything. But I really feel like, even though he struggled a lot, but I really feel like um, on my Irish my Irish grandfather was where I really got that like transmission and he was old. I mean, he had my mom when he was um, in his sixties, which I think Cara, don't you have a similar situation? Yeah. Yeah. 
My father was 57 when I was born. Right. And so, you know, my grandpa was, you know, he was, so he had been through a lot too, but my grandpa was born in 1888. And, um, but, um, he, he definitely had that. And I don't know why, because I don't know what the only thing that I can, I can say about it is that they had, they were Catholic and they had this faith in, um, the blessed mother was a, is a big part of Irish Catholicism. Mm -hmm. And so that I was always taught from my mother to, to let things go, to give it to the blessed mother. Yeah, that is true. I, I was passed that on too. I was passed that on too. I just feel like they were so worried. There was a lot of worry that still ran through them, you know, and they were always giving it to the Blessed Mother. That is, that is true. <laughs> I just don't know if it took it out of their body. I don't know. That's so much worry. So much worry. So Stop. much worry. <laughs> so yeah. much worry. It was like, well, and my mother is, my mother is Our Lady of Sorrow. Like, that's her name is Dolores. Like, and I could just, that's just what she is, you know? And that in itself is, it's like knowing who you are and what your purpose and your path is in many ways, you know, like, I don't judge it. I'm not sure if it's like, you know, the American taintism is for all, for these people that I'm talking about. Like if America just made everybody nervous and jerky and maybe they weren't before, I, I don't know. I can't know these things, right? I can only feel into like the layers of it all, but. Well, we do know. So one of the things I was going to mention was um, from Ernesto DiMartino's work. Do you guys have this book? I do. Yeah, I have it. Yeah. Um, I'm just so, gonna turn my light off. Hold on one second. No, yeah. you can keep talking. Keep talking. I just I don't like this light. <laughs> the sensor. So, <laughs> so he goes into like you know why protection was why the, the magic in Southern Italy was so necessary and just you know that you know there was a lot of poverty and strife and peril and yeah, invasions and volcanoes erupting and, you know, and um, takeovers and, you know, land stolen. And they, so, um, so anyway, so, but he's also coming from, I mean, it's clearly academic. He's doing research. And then what did you think of it? What did you guys think of the, have you read it? I haven't, I haven't read it. Still no, I <laughs> yeah, I've read like paragraphs of it. I've not read the whole thing. Nope. So, you know, basically it's about Lucanian um, magic. Yeah. So, and he goes down. And so I was just going to share a little bit because I think this is, you know, sort of, and again, I feel like he's taking a psych a position. I don't even know. Is he, a, he's um, an intellectual. I'm trying to figure out what he, like what he is. If he's identifies a as, yeah. scholar. Anthropologist. Um, um, yeah. Hegelian historicism and phenomenology. Um, anyway, so, you know, he's talking about, um, basically magic and exorcism and spells and possessions and, you know, that it's really the experience of being acted upon and that being in the world, maintaining ourselves as an individual presence in a society and history means acting as a power of decision and choice according to values. Mm. Um, it means always performing anew the never definitive a detachment from the immediacy of mere natural vitality and rising to cultural life. So like he's describing these practices as a way of rising in cultural life to be becoming part of a culture. Mm -hmm. and, and 
in the, so to me, that sounds like, well, it's like, instead of being completely consumed by self-concern, which I think is also a big part of our modern culture is this, the mm -hmm. self-concern of the individual and hyper-individualism, which we're seeing right now in mm -hmm. through COVID. I mean, it's become very obvious that, you know, everybody's pretty much just concerned about, or a lot of us anyway, just concerned about how, what choices we want to make for our best interest. Um, and he talks about the loss of this power for a presence unsuccessfully engaged in resisting an attack in the form of the experience of being acted upon. So, um, you know, basically that like people feeling acted upon um, and that using magic involves the personality as a whole and the operative powers grounding and supporting it. So like that these traditional practices were really about like grounding and supporting the, the individual and being able to be present. And he present in the larger community, like present in the larger in the culture. community and yeah. knowing the difference between themselves and the outside world. He calls it the actual, he calls it the actual loss of presence is when we've, when we need protection is when we've actually lost presence. Oh, oh that's yeah. That's very, mm -hmm. When yeah. the presence enters into crisis due to the collapse of the sheer possibility of making itself the center of decision and choice choices according to values, one may on the one hand have the experience of an empty self in a world that are inauthentic for various reasons. Um, and then he said, finally, we must consider states of possession when the presence's margin of autonomy is restricted to such a degree that it disappears so basically when there's no, when you're, uh, your autonomy, so you're being acted upon and you no longer have autonomy over the decisions that you're making. Mm -hmm. ah, okay. And he says, Lucanian magic works as an instrument of arrest, representation and unification of the variety of possible individual crises of presence in the face of an unleashing of the negative's power. So he's basically saying, the ideology of magic, magical power, binding possession, enchantment, and exorcism offers a representative framework that is stable, socialized, and traditionalized in which the risk of alienation of single presences is converted into a meta-historical order, a level on which the recovery and reintegration of risk can be carried out. So it basically sounds like what you were saying. Do you want me to say any of that again? <laughs> <laughs> I really, can you read the last? Yeah, read that very last part again. Lu about Lucanian magic? You Lucanian magic. Bit. Okay. The, the ideology, Lucanian magic works as an instrument of arrest, representation, and unification of the variety of possible individual crises of presence mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the face of it, which he's attributing to being acted upon. Right, sure. Yeah. Of an unleashing of the negative's power. The ideology of magical power, binding, possession, enchantment, and exorcism offers a representative framework that is stable, socialized, and traditionalized, in which the risk of alienation of single presences, so like as an individual being alienated from being present, Mm -hmm. is converted into a meta-historical order. So there's a system, mm -hmm. a level on which the recovery and reintegration of risk can be carried out. So in other words, taking that loss 
and then being able to basically what it sounds to me like what what you all were saying about composting yeah mm -hmm. and that mm -hmm. this is this is part that is part of cultural life mm -hmm. and part of being in a community and it's traditionalized and ritualized but yeah. that it's guiding this and so to me the question is you know in in now here where protection magic is becoming so popular mm -hmm. and and exploited because you know we live in that's what let's you know the sea we're swimming in mm -hmm. um and to me contributing to more dysregulation of yeah um, systems because Absolutely. because we we our culture makes activation a priority right it's like we prioritize being active everything is like getting us getting us activated you know whether it's you know in a good way or a bad way it's like whatever it is we want to get a charge out of everybody so they'll you know whatever buy something yeah buy, something. buy in to, yeah yeah join the club or the cult or whatever yeah join the cult <laughs> I know that that was a lot there, but I just that no, but I appreciate you kind of paraphrasing like what that means is. Yeah, thank you. Thank well, you I'm interpreting. Interpreting. You know? I yeah, I appreciate yeah, your interpretation. You know, it's, it's, it's I don't know when it was written either, so I feel like it's probably it's pretty you know, old. It was. It was just. I thought it was early 20th century. Yeah. It says first edition 1959, but I'm not sure if that's. 50s he was walking around going through I think it taps into something that really just is always that I've just always kind of been holding is that um desire to be in a community where we all know and understand this mm -hmm. and this is just what we do mm -hmm. instead of trying to constantly catch up like I feel it in my body that I knew it and that I had it and that we practiced it together collectively. And that's how frustrating it has been to walk in this body and not have that be what I was birthed into in this mm -hmm. body, in this incarnation right now as Kara. Mm -hmm. Like, and meeting you both, like this is, you know, this is part of our collective healing, um, you know, talking and, and, and being together. And I think that's so much of it is that it's that the, the, the social media stuff, which is great and beautiful too, but like it becomes individual instead of that, just, you know what I mean? Am I making sense? Like that collective? Yeah, you're making sense. And it's in that collective. And I'm going to, the conversation that we had yesterday, Lisa, about, was it uh, Carlo Ginsburg, that quote of comparing um, conspiracy theory to of now to um with covid with the plague conspiracy theory which I, I haven't that's another book that i have that i've only skimmed through but that collective imagination who is coming together collectively and creating and, and coming into their cultural presences and who isn't or who does who hasn't been doing that or like what like that has been missing or taken away from us like if we were in this cultural presencing like you're speaking of and being able to like come together in community you know this is what we do what are then what then what is the possibility of of creating in that like what 
what is the imagination and the body and the movement and the energy and, and the working of that together of knowing that this is just what we do. Mm-hmm. What does that create versus, you know, and I think that Stephen Jenkinson used this term and I'll just use it. Like we're, I think it was him, like we're at an amnesia of imagination, like we're at a poverty of imagination, but yet there are specific cultural somas and like creating imaginary worlds for them to be part of that they belong to. Meaning like, I was just referring to it as like that conspiracy theorist imagination, right? Like that takes a lot of being present to what is and like, this is what we do. You know, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's an alternative. And in some ways it is protection, it's protection magic for this group of people or for this body of work <laughs> that is happening. Well, I don't know how to, right. you know well, what I'm it, saying? Some of the protection is, and I think I said it yesterday and I, and I hate the word like, so amnesia is good. So it's like, we look at like what Carlo Ginsburg is describing in his book, which is over there. I'm like deep in it. I really, I'm really, yeah, into it. I'm, oh my God. And it's, de- that's also dense. So I'm like there with my highlighter going over things, but it's just like, as I'm reading it, I'm just like, holy fuck. Like we are like, we are reliving, like we're just, you know, I saw this somewhere else recently too. The Roman empire never ended. Right. It's just like, we're just, we're, we're on repeat and we're on repeat and we're, and, and we, because we have the amnesia because we haven't honored our ancestors, we don't even know who they were half the time. We haven't honored the dead. We, um, don't know our own histories, most of us, um, that we don't know that these conspiracy theories have been recirculating in different mm-hmm. ways, at least since the plague. And, and, and actually, even before that, you know, that it was, um, it was lepers and Jews that were poisoning Christians. And, right. um, and, and then these, you know, and what really is, and then the witch trials, but like what, what's underneath all that is, from my interpretation, it is really a war over the dom- hold, being able to hold the dominant dominant narrative, mm-hmm. right? And like that's what was going on back then, where it's like you've got people living in these um, different, basically living out different expressions of reality, mm-hmm. and you know whether they're Christians or Muslim or you know at the time a lot of it was like oh it was always like the, like letter forgeries came from Muslim kings asking. Um, Jews to pay the lepers to put poison in the water of the Christians. So it's like everybody's fighting over the dominant narrative or like Mary Beth, what you were saying yesterday, the egregores, the mm-hmm. um, entities of culture that, and mm-hmm. when you have a dominator culture, which they had then and we have now, somebody's got to hold it all. Right. Having any, um, opposing or incongruent or dissonant realities being expressed it is creates conflict for the dominant narrative mm-hmm. so yeah. what they right so and, and then they say oh well you know it's the devil well it's not the devil you didn't want witches because they were doing this stuff right they were they yeah. were able to hold in their local place 
and each other in a way that was doing exactly what Ernesto Di Martino says, was able to bring people into the presence, the presence. of, of yeah. being alive. And so if you have that, then you can't manipulate people. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it doesn't fit with our dominant narrative. We have a hierarchy. We have a dominant narrative that's vertical. It goes this way. And so it's like, if you've got, you know, what I would call rhizomatic, you know, right. people, um, expressions of reality happening, and you've got somebody who wants to hold all of it, then, then somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. And it's the same thing that's happening right now, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was coming from with that. And I, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. it's like you've got all these, these aggregate, you know, um, it's a war, you know, it's a war for holding that, that, yeah. that mind. And, and so the thing mm-hmm. is the more, if it's unconscious, then you have not, then there's no way to, um, to integrate it. Right. There's no way to, if it's, as long as it's unconscious, as long as we don't yeah. know what's happening, yeah. yeah, then we can, we're never going to be able to do anything about it. And that's where that amnesia, that's right. Where the amnesia like, comes in. Just like, not I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's not questioned. Yes. And then there's this like um, facade of, I don't know if this is a tangent, but like a facade of what you're saying, Lisa, and with um, what we're sold as, as individuals, as self-care <laughs> or as, you know, um, the, the band-aid of what now is so clear, like what new age kind of, um, magic is where it's just uh the appearance of it with an individual instead of the presence like i love that just like being in the in the presence and i think that's dangerous it is like really dangerous i think so too or at least at times and if at least it's just not it's impotent Right. It's just not going to, <laughs> it's not going to achieve what you want it to achieve. So, yeah. So then, so to me, it's like, well, we're talking about, and that's some of it. It's like, we're, well, it's like protection magic and, and all that. And it's like, and there are literal things that we can do, like, you know, tangible things that we can do like our, Abatini and amulets and our chimaruta and our garlic and in all of those things. Um, and, but those are intended to, you know, ritualize this, this center and this ability to be with the trouble mm-hmm. and be with the plague and be with, um, what's happening the presencing they bring you into the presence almost especially if you're making them like if you're actually being it's not even that it's like it's going to make things go away right so sometimes it's like like protection it's like it's like it's not going to change you know your neighbor's still going to be your neighbor i mean maybe they'll go (laughs) oh you know but like a lot of times is that really what we're trying to do no we're actually trying to like rectify something yeah well relationship repair yeah Exactly. It's like COVID is, COVID is obviously not going away. No. And I think the make, the making of the things, because this is like big and that's what I'm saying. There's like a lot of commodities of, of, you know, how many times are you going to see the evil eye out there? You know what I mean? Like 
being sold and bought and sold. It's at Claire's boutique. It's, it's everywhere. And it's like, it's, it's just become a thing. But like, if you understand all the different like rhizomes as you're talking about that bring you into this, like this cultural symbolism and you actually are in relationship with it, with others, then all of a sudden it's like working in your, it's working like I kind of think the nervous system personally is besides the gut, the well, the gut and the nervous system are obviously intricately connected is like our ancestors speaking yeah. to us. Yeah. And so it's like, in that sense, it's like, I feel like we're actually in communication with our nervous systems in such a way that these are the practices that help us become more present to what is happening around us and give us the, um, I don't know what the right word would be because I, don't, I you know, the not exaltation, not health, I don't, not wellness. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but being able to allow us to be in that presence together, together, alignment, alignment, that's perfect. Right? And, you know, so it's like these, I don't know, because I'm thinking about it in terms of like, what we think it is, you know what I mean? Like what we think it is and like what we think these magical practices are, and what we think these like spells are, what we think these, you know, amulets or ways of being are, and they're very powerful. I'm, I'm not trying to take the power away from it, but without everything else that we're talking about in this, it's it's just segregated. It's it's not. It's not anything really. It's, de it's decontextualized. Decontextualized. Exactly. And that is what sort of makes me sad, and it gives me a lot of grief. I get a lot of grief when I when I like sense that's what's happening because it's like that's the thing we've lost in that, that way in those communities and those witches of our ancestors that were these witches in these communities that were, you know, um, criminalized and killed because that's, that is, that was the ultimate protection work, the ultimate protection work. Yeah. So where do we go with that? I mean, that's always, I don't know. I mean, because like even with the malok, you're taking away the malok. I mean, I know people will give the malok and like I know that you can give them, you know what I mean? You can shoot it. But like really, those women in the kitchen came together to transmutate the malok, right? They weren't sending it off to anybody else. They weren't fighting with it. They were being with your body, you know, being with the body and kind of working and moving and, and witnessing and observing it and saying, it's real. I know yeah. what you're going through. I know what you're going through is real. So I'm going to sing a little bit and pray over it. And then we're going to let it move. Sorry, that, that, but that's what you're saying, Mary Beth, about being witnessed. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know? Yeah, that part. Yeah, and that so part that's that energy again, is like moving it and witnessing it. Yeah. And speaking huge, to huge, huge piece of, I think, protection power right there. Yeah. yeah. And that it's, that it isn't something that needs to be bought. No, <laughs> no. That water, all of what, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Is what it is, that it's our bodies, that we are, that we are we that. Just, we just need each other. Really? Well, I mean, that was, that's also, that's a lot of it with the Malot cures, at least in 
Well, in Italy too, but um, for sure in the Ita Italian enclaves in America is that that was being done in front of people. I mean, like that was a, just, a, it's, it's like stir the sauce and do the maloc, right? It, was it wasn't like, done in secret in some ritualized space where everybody, it was done in front of family and community for sure. I mean, I never found it to be a secret thing. That secret thing was like always a weird thing to me. Like I was like, I never even thought of it as that. Well, things become a secret when they're, they're um, opposed by the dominant narrative, right? Like things become a secret when people can't do True. them because... And so I think that I always thought that's where a lot of that came from is because you couldn't, couldn't talk about it really outside of, you know, your community or your, yeah, your other people who were, uh, at least in this instance, in in this in Italian culture, other Italians yeah. Yeah. who were like, no. they and they never would, like, they didn't really, I mean, in my family, no one really had friends that were not Italian, <laughs> but anyway, there wasn't an opportunity to, it was like, <laughs> oh, bless them all <laughs> yeah I would love to be a fly on the wall with my great-grandmother and her daughters yeah you know in their kitchen yeah me too my grandmother and her sisters doing that mm. like ugh, I love that there's pictures I've seen pictures of them at the pot <laughs> there's you know huge but yeah, and I know I was there, you know, in some form I was there as my grandmother, but um, yeah, it's, it's, I think. I mean, those practices are still, there's still people I know here locally, um, a lot of it's gone, but there's still people really, really doing it here. Not so much where I am in the West. I don't. I don't know. To, I don't know of anybody. Very traditional. I mean, I think it's probably the last. There. It probably won't be. You know, for much longer. But there's still that a generation that. Um, are still doing it. That makes my heart happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's one thing I want to say. Um, just thinking about the two words of like protect protection and then like when we're talking about some of these ways being sort of you know having to be kept close and it's like the protective like protected and like what the difference is between like protection work and like being protected or protect of protected of something and like how those two I'm not sure how they like even were like I actually just have an open-ended question about it like is it the same like in that protection and keeping these kind of ways close because Southern Italian like magic has always been quiet. It's coming out, I think a bit, but it's always been quiet. It's not been written. There's nothing written about it really. I mean, these people that these books that you're reading, they're more people who are studying it, right? They're not, they weren't of it. They weren't like in the community. They weren't in with the, with the healers and witches of the communities people weren't really writing of it, it, writing it down and keeping a record. So it's always been, you know, through word of mouth and passed on and whatever. So it's been really just kind of 
isolated in some ways within the community. I think it's coming out. And so I'm wondering like how, I mean, I think we've had this conversation before too, of like how protected, protect up, what is the word I'm looking for? Protective that we need to be of it. And is that part of protection work or you know what I mean? Like how, where do those two intersect? Yeah. You know, whose work, um, which I think you know of is Angela Puka. Yeah, yeah, watch her YouTube videos. Yeah. Um, you know, well, you know, she's saying that there's like there's like the older generation Mm -hmm. that's like 60 and older that are like this is in Italy, that are like, no, you know, like they you you know, it's still passed from it has to be passed from family member to family member, um, you know, usually grandmother to a grandchild or whatever. It's the only and you know, and you only get you know, like you only get whatever your family does. Like if your family does the Malocchio, that's the cure you get. Like you don't get, there's a whole bunch of different types of cures. You got to go to somebody else for whose family does that. So it's like, and she's saying in that, that generation, it's still very much like that, but that the younger generations now are, it's changing and becoming more out front, you know, like becoming more, it's on the internet, it's on Facebook. It's like, they're exchanging um, abilities. They're becoming more inter integrated with like other cultural magic as well. Like, is it staying what it is? Be- you know, yeah. You know, I don't know. And she does that affirmation. Is it becoming part of is Slavic or Wiccan in the U.S. Like being. Well, we know it's becoming part. I mean, well, yes. I mean, I don't know where that's coming from, you know, and that's, you know, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a whole other topic that we could yeah. do on another one. And on another I want to talk about that <laughs> is, you know, is, you know, um, what Stregaria, which is like, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. Gramassi's Wiccan form of whatever Italian folk mm-hmm. magic. But, um, you know, she does talk about like, there's this transnational, like sh- she calls it transnational shamanism, where it's like, we're creating, you know, what's become popular is decontextualized and delocalizing traditional medicines, basically magic medicines in standardizing them in a way where you can like provide them to people as like a prescription, you know, or like a weekend workshop where, you know, you have a very um, logistical set of things that you're teaching and then you're going to get a predictable um, result at the end of it. And so that they can be used in that way. So it's like, you know, to me, it's like sanitizing it in a way. And, 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 you know, and she does say, and I agree, well, there might be good reason for like that. It's not that that's necessarily bad. As long as, again, it's like, are we aware that these things are not, they, they were in a specific geographical climate, social um, context that they were. Similar to what's happening here in some ways. Yeah. that we can't avoid it. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, because in some ways that's what we're doing. I'm not saying us personally, but possibly. <laughs> Again, I think that's where we come, we come up against these, like these n- narrative wars between yeah. like, you have this dominator culture that takes everything, you know, yep. how do you, how do you either, you either have to keep things completely zipped up. It's, yep. It feels like, and not share them and not talk about them or they're going to get f- pulled into the fray of capitalism. Yeah. 
And that's where that, and and nervous system activation, right? And having more organized ways of getting it out there, which I'm not saying is wrong, but it sounds like what she's saying the younger generation in Italy are doing, or they're like taking what they learned from their elders in some ways and like offering in a way that is organized and and maybe more linear because that's the way the world is working, right? And I kind of feel like it's the same way here. Like we're learning from our ancestors and our elders, but we've been separated from all of the ways that it's sort of was, um, in context of, of the origins of this magic and this medicine, and we're kind of creating something different. And so can we re can we recontextualize it? That's I mean to me that's the question is because traditions are meant to adapt, right? We're not trying to replicate or recreate exactly what my great 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 grandmother did in Calabria, right? Like I I don't know, and even if I did, it wouldn't even be appropriate right now. So it's like how. Like, so I, to me, that's like the, the, que- the big question yeah. is like, what, well, okay. So we're here now and we're dealing with this set of conditions and we have this tradition yeah. that is still there. Yeah. I no? mean, hey, it's keeping it, it's keeping it breathing. It's giving new life to it. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying what it, it just sounds like a similar, but different experience of the younger generations in Italy kind of shifting the way they're doing the work. And whereas we are here shifting the way we're doing the work, which has come from a totally different, we're on unceded land that our ancestors did never belong to. So it's a completely you know different situation, but at the same time, we're, where we are, I, I don't know, I, I don't have a, I'm a neutral about it. I'm not like- yeah, But I think I'm that different. has to, that has to be part of it to me, yeah. right? Yeah, it's like part, part of it is- all right. Well, part of our, the conditions, the context exactly. that we're in right now is that we're on unceded land in a colony. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. So it's like, that's like, okay. So, you know, that's, that's part of our context. It's like in, um, I'm going to bring this to a different place, but hopefully it'll make sense. It's like in art. When I studied art, <clears throat> um, understanding postmodernism. And what postmodernism is, is layers building upon who, and this is folk culture, layer, building the layers upon what had been created before. Mm-hmm. And that a lot of times people don't understand, I, my opinion is I understand postmodernism in that way. And that we are, li- we are dealing with a postmodern way of um, harnessing this, tapping into it, collectively doing it, because we can't time doesn't exist in the same way anymore that it that it did a hundred years ago or 200 years ago or 500 years ago so we have to it has to be that it only exists in that but i think that yeah that that like does that make sense like that place of of um where it becomes dangerous is not understanding where the what we're building off of yes and 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 making assumptions mm-hmm. um and also um not understanding the depth of all of the layers like really not just thinking that it's like well this is this makes sense so i'm gonna i don't know now i don't know if i'm going off but I just, I think that that's a big piece of it. And that because we're not on our ancestral land doing this 
I don't like to use the word work. What's another word I can use? Calling. Doing the calling, answering the call. Answering the call. Yeah. Not on our ancestral land. Weird. That's a big piece to this for me. That's a big piece to this and protection of the land, Pro wanting to protect the land in whatever way I can as in respect and, and also in grief. Yeah. Grief is a big piece of it. You know, it's a huge piece to this, the grief that we're, that we're the reality that we're sitting here having this discussion. I mean, I think the other part of it that comes to mind as you're talking now is there's a couple. Um, one is that the beings of these traditions themselves, right? These spirits, the um, the uh, the spirits of these actual traditions came mm -hmm. here with the Us. Italian people when they immigrated, and then they have been adapting yeah. here. Yeah. And to me, that's also part of the context because it's like we know in a in and I think I've talked about this before with you guys in another place is that in an Italian neighborhood, like in the city of Utica, where my family first came, you know, you've got people from all over Italy there. They all had their own traditions. <laughs> and and so and then they intermarried, <laughs> you know, and I'm talking about Southern Italians inter. you know, it's like my baby magic. Parents, yeah, my grandparents are from villages 15 minutes apart and they were culturally totally different and right. were very, you know, expressive about that. <laughs> right. So, you know, you've got a lot, you've already got this. So the other thing, these are living things. Absolutely. They are, they are living things in relationship with this place. So they've already been in relationship with this place. And I think that's where it's like, we need to, that's why we can't push aside. We can't repress that part of it. it's just like this is a this is a colony, and we're here because of a certain set of circumstances. And there were a certain set of circumstances here when our people first came here, and that's been evolving ever since, along with this these traditions. And and then we're and then they're going forward in the future. And then the other thing I wanted to just as you were talking, it just made me think of in terms of like contextualizing in the land or in places that that I don't even know what local means anymore. Like, what is local? Like, are you, are we local to each other? Right? Because we're in pretty tight community, really, even though we're in different, in different geographical like locations. Geographical, we're in different bioregions, but we're local. But what, be, what becomes local? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good question, too. Mm-hmm. So like in terms of like contextual, like, well, okay, so we have these traditions and, you know, and we're in community with each other. Another thing that comes to mind is if you're saying that these, the spirit of this work, this calling or this, these ways, these folk ways, these magic ways came over with this people, with the, our people, with our, you know, great grandparents and our grandparents. And it lived in them and moved through them either whether they practiced it or not still lived in them you know one or two generations still going to be there and they die and their bodies in the soil and that transmuting of that energy comes up 
and is in relationship with the soil, which belonged to other ancestors. And I just wonder about that, you know, that mix. And then it's like growing here and we're here like tending to it. And that sense, it's like, we're doing this work and this maybe not appropriate to say, but we're doing this work with not only our ancestors, we're doing this work with all the ancestors. And like how to so lovingly and carefully and like, and consciously realize like that spirit, like those different villages, people from different villages that came here and married and those spirits interconnected, those cultural bodies interconnected. And then they came here and many different cultural bodies had to interconnect, right? And then their bodies are into the soil. Like I've got to generate one generation in the soil here. It's not a lot compared to, you know, other, you know, people, but that somehow has like now been part of the fertilization of this soil that has, you know, 25,000 years of ancestors created it. So like, what does it look like on this side? Like, what could it possibly look like on this side, right? It's got to change and be something totally different. Um, and then thinking about it in like the, and I don't know if this is going to make sense, but I'm like, okay, so if that's a spirit. And then there's also the other spirits that are coming through my lineage body, right? That I'm trying to like alchemize and transmutate and give another sort of place and name for and work with it over here. And then that spirit is coming, this other spirit that I actually want to know more about, like I want to stay alive in my body, right? Like I want the magic of my people to be in remembrance in my body, like how to tend and care for that and, and see it as its own entity, like the magic of my blood, like it, what does it look like? What's its name? How does it want to be fed? How does it want to be ritualized? How does it want to be talked to or loved and cared for? And not in the same way that I'm going to read from, you know, or, you know, read into 300 years ago, right? Or 500 years ago, but like right now in this incarnation as it's this new little second generation American baby magic, <laughs> Italian American baby magic. <laughs> and I think that's it. It's just, again, it's just like being in the presence of all those beings and all those. It's so no wonder our nervous systems are like and why I'm like I'm just gonna be over here chopping garlic and, and just putting some salt and some bags right that's why we do that right it's like I'm just gonna that's, go that's why I feel like I feel like these were like the tools and the remedies to like like yeah there's a billion like spiritual entities just like in relationship around us and if we're not in that presence which I absolutely love that because a while back I feel like I read something by somebody who was saying that their work, their work is ancestral presencing. Mm. And I was like, that really resonated with me. I was like, that's what this is. And when you just brought up that like presence and like this sort of the craft being a way for everybody to stay, you know, in that presence, it's like the making of things is so important. Like it's so fucking important. It's like everything. It's like, if that's the one thing that I could ever, I just taught a class on protection magic with a group of people I didn't know that came from all over, that come from all over the place, actually, like all over the globe. And I was like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I didn't have like a really great like way of understanding like how I was going to do it. And I was like, we're just going to make together, you know, like I can't go into all this conversation that we're having right here. <laughs> I just was like, I just, this is not going to be possible. But like in that, just like, quiet making yeah and allowing those materials to come through as 
their own beings, right? It was just like, we we're all at the end of it where they're like, oh, I feel so, re- I just feel relaxed. I feel so. That's it. That's uh, it. Yeah. I think about the spider and like process and like the spider web and what they do. Yeah. And, and then like the tarantula, which is like such a, or the wolf spider, you know, in our cultural, um, you know, folk traditions, like this is part of it, right? The possession, the, um, that energy that, that we're consumed with, that then we need to move it through doing the tarantella or like m- music, um, dancing, all of that, like that's part of that process too. And that is, that's, that's also largely not, I mean, that's definitely not Anglo. No. It's no, not- I was going to say in the Polish traditions and the Slavic traditions, which I was just kind of learning about last year a little bit more, my mother's uh, part, part Polish, was the Pahaki. And the Pahaki actually translates to the word spider. It is a spider. Like, that's the word for in, in Polish for spider is Pahaki. And so it's the, the weaving of the, you know, the straw and, you know, all the things. And it's like, it's, it's like the spider that catches all. So it's a protection amulet that they put in the quarter, corner, corners of their house. It looks like a web and it's like, it's supposed to catch everything in it and mm-hmm. hold it. So it's so different in which in the Southern Italian tradition of, of the tarantella is like, we're moving it through us. You're like, so you're, you're, you're yeah, getting like, it out. Like you're like, it's, a, it's so, so different, like so different culturally, but also like so similar, like of the spider energy and the spider spirit and both of them imparted protection practices. And process, and like, process. and process, which what you're, what you're speaking to is just like how you can, you can actually feel your, your body, your nervous system. Um, relax and 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 deepen into well and that's one of the, the trippy things too about it is like when I was making Bahaki it was very stressful actually because it's very hard <laughs> and I, re- I realized that probably my grandmother's like folks were just like whipping them up they make them up after the holiday season like just whip them up you know with all of their waste and put it in the corner really easily and I was like sweating it took me seven eight hours to make mine it was like so hard and I also feel very stressed sometimes when I'm playing the drums and doing the tarantella or the or the pizzica like I get very stressed because it's my body is like what are you fucking doing what are you fucking doing this is not we don't barely we barely remember this and this is really intense like we know you know it but also we don't know if we want to go here anymore and so some of these cultural practices take a really conscious container in which again of course the witches of the day were creating and the witchcraft of Lucania which you're talking about like they were creating that container for this work to be done without it being so traumatic well I mean and we don't have there's no there's no social infrastructure for it no Mm -hmm. I mean so another book I'm reading is Martine Partel's book grief and praise I read like five books at a time (laughs) Can and I just have your brain for three seconds so I can read like a, a chapter. <laughs> I love I love him. He's a, he's amazing. So you know his book Grief and Praise, and he's he you know he's he's saying you know like 
in order to really express grief, you've got to be able to like shake and moan and like pull your hair out. And like, you know, like what we see in the people doing the Tarantella is that, you know, they're literally losing their minds. And within, in that they're in the, they're in, they're being guided and held by their community. It's like, everybody stops what they're doing. And, um, and maybe I'll put a link to that beautiful, the Taranta project, um, mm. where they have this beautiful video of um, the different um, people going through this process. Yes. And, you know, the town, basically all the children looking in the window at the woman, like, you know, getting rid of the tarantula and, and then they bring them to the church and in the church, they're like climbing the walls and they're like, their bodies are shaking and people are holding them and they're running around in circles. They're just like in the whole, in the whole village is there like with them and like making sure they don't hurt themselves and yeah. catching them when they fall yeah. and holding their heads. And, and it's like, and they do this. Some of these people do this every year and they do it for everybody. It's like the whole, um, the whole soma of the community is being cleansed and released and relaxed through th allowing their grief to move through them in this way. And yes. I mean, we just don't, there's no, you know, our, our way of dealing with grief is like, you know, the wake, the funeral and everybody back to work again. This reminds me a couple years ago, I had the privilege of um, hearing some really powerful um, indigenous and I, I'm totally spacing on the tribe. And so I sound really ignorant, but they're um, ayahuasca people from Brazil. And um, it was so wonderful to be in a space and hear the wisdom that's so simple that we all knew at one point, which was in their community, in their world, if someone is sick, everyone takes the medicine. Hmm everyone sits with the medicine. You don't put that person away. You sit with them and you all fucking take the medicine because we're all connected and we're all part of that. And that's like, just reminding me of like take, bringing people into the church and holding them in the circle and holding whatever comes out and allowing that and crying and grieving and like throwing ourselves. They're all receiving that medicine. They're all receiving that medicine when they're in one person is in the space, right? Frenzied. And what's happening is by being there in collective frenzy and protection and, and intending to is that like they're all receiving that medicine, even if they're not the one in the center and they're not the one in getting the exorcism. How beautiful that everyone take the medicine. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And, and, the, and that they don't, you wouldn't think to have the impatience to not do that, right? Like that it's what other time do we have as beings than to spend our time doing that? There's nothing more important there really isn't. Yeah, there's nothing more important. Hmm. <laughs> well, on that, is there any anything that either of you feel like like last last thoughts or anything like really that like is coming up about 
protection magic, Italian protection magic in particular? Well, just the words that I want to use right now that just sort of like was a reminder for me and how I, and how I kind of always see it is that it is collective. Pro protection work is collective work. Grief is collective work. Protection is collective work. This is an individual work. Like if you think that you're going to just sit around and protect yourself. Yes, right. It doesn't yeah. do anything. This has always been, it always has been and needs to always be collective practices mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And collective with our ancestors. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, us, you know, collective together in this realm now and collective with those that that wove it. Yeah. They're in and the ones that are going to come ahead of us, I exactly. think. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that it's a state of mind. I think for me, just walking over the years with having it be so um, crucial, not crucial, but important in my in my being, just to understand that like every every mo moment, every movement is part of that. It's not just like one time of the day thing. It's yeah, it's not like on the full moon, I'm going to do a protection ritual and that's what it is. It's like yeah. it's upon waking and upon going to it until I go to sleep and in the dream room, you know, we did talk about that, but that's a whole nother. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> well, it's the blessing way, right? I mean, it's Benedictaria. It's living, it's living life as a blessing in blessing. We do what we've always done. And that's the thing that we are practicing remembering like remembering, practicing, remembering together. It's what we do and it's what we've always done. There's really not that much of a learning curve when you think of it in that way. Mm -hmm. I just saw this quote and maybe we'll end on that um, if I can say it right, but I think it was Michael Mead. I believe it was Michael Mead. And it says, I don't know if it was his quote or if it was a quote from somebody else, but it was on, I think his Instagram. And he said, don't seek to be like your ancestors, seek what they sought. Mm. Brilliant. And you know, and I think that that to me, that's like the only thing that's like, ah, okay, so what are we doing here? How are we going to do it? Like, how are we going to do this in, you know, mm -hmm. the best possible way? Um, and it's, it's to me, it's that it's like, well, you know, it's, we have all these ancestral traditions and stuff, but really what we want is what they were seeking as well. What they were seeking. What yeah. they were trying to remember. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Do you just want to share before we go and I'll put links. Do you want to share where both your, both of you share, like um, where you work, where people can find you? Mary Beth, your Instagram or your uh, web. Yeah, Instagram or my website, which is my name and Instagram, which is my name as well. Right now I don't actually have a website. So like as of this day today, but I'm not sure when I'm going to, but. And I'll, yeah. I'll link, I'll link. In It'll be there eventually. <laughs> What's your website? My website is chimarutaremedies.com and my handle at Instagram is chimarutaremedies. Um, and yeah, what an honor to speak with the two of you. I love you yeah. so much. I know we could, we could, I could do this for the next two years. So we'll have to do this again soon. I know I was in person and then I just keep thinking, what a pipe dream. <laughs> <laughs> we will.
Okay, bye for now. Bye. Thank you. Bye.